Hey Changemakers, welcome to another episode of the Sacred Changemakers podcast. My name is Jane Morillow and I have a great guest lined up for you today. Now this podcast is about change and transformation, but not just any old change. We believe in change for good, which lies at the intersection of three things, personal, professional and social transformation. So come with us on a journey as we go behind the scenes with people who are making a real difference in our world. Each episode, we'll be diving deeply into topics at the intersection. Sometimes we'll be interviewing thought leaders, sharing tools and resources, and sometimes we'll be leading deep dive conversations, tackling the challenging issues of our times. Now, Before I introduce today's guests, I have one request. Would you be willing to go to iTunes or whatever app you're listening to, subscribe and leave a rating and review? It's so helpful to us because it actually enables the algorithms to find us. It helps people find our community and it helps our guests get their messages out to more people. It's a small thing, but it would mean so much to us. So thank you. Okay, so are you ready? Are you ready to be inspired? Because today our guest is Sumi Krishnan. Now, Sumi is a 15-year veteran in business, a Harvard graduate, and the founder of eight-figure consulting firm K4 Solutions, Inc. She's been named Inc. Magazine's 30 Under 30, and her company has ranked four times on Inc. 500's list of fastest-growing companies. She has managed large-scale public programs for agencies from TSA to HHS, yet has also helped stay-at-home mums get fit as the owner of a CrossFit gym. Combining her expertise in business, fitness, public policy, and overall lifestyle design, she's currently launching a new democracy-focused startup called Poptivism that takes a stand for the and, and by empowering entrepreneurs, artists, and activists to live their best life while coming together to save American democracy. Wow, Sumi, welcome to the Sacred Change Makers podcast. Hi, Jane. It's so great to be here with you. Oh my gosh. Just reading through your bio, that gets me so excited about the conversation we're going to have. It really does. I feel the same. (laughs) Okay, so we have a title for our conversation today, which is Using Your Influence for Meaningful Social Change. Now, before we go there, I just want to give our listeners a bit of a benefit of, you know, who's the human behind the bio? So tell us a little bit about yourself and, you know, your life path. What's brought you to where you are today? Sure. So, so yeah, I feel like, um, you know, I was born a a child of immigrants from India and kind of grew up um, always feeling, never quite feeling like I fit in anywhere. Um, You know, uh, when I grew up in the eighties and nineties, there, there were, I was maybe like, for example, two, there were like two other uh, classmates of Indian descent in my high school. And, um, you know, I never felt like I was attractive, never had a boyfriend in high school, never really fit in in any crowd. And I think oddly enough, that sort of feeling of always being an outsider, I guess I tried, I think for a long time to kind of, there was something in me that needed to prove to myself and to the world that like I was, I was good enough and I could be accepted. And, um, you know, with my parents being extremely, strict and demanding growing up. I think I just developed this sense of like, all right, I'm going to try to, you know, 
see what it is that I can do that'll somehow be impressive. <laughs> and <laughs> we all know that like that thought process rarely leads to like personal fulfillment and actually, you know, like following a path that, um, that it like feels meaningful and 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 fulfilling to yourself. Um, and by the way, if you don't know that, then <laughs> please take it from me and and everybody else. Not a yeah, kind of pursuing a path out of you know feeling like you're trying to prove something to the world. Um, I don't think is really ever um, go, going to feel quite aligned. So regardless, I um I, I did that for many years. I, I you know studied electrical engineering in, in undergrad and then um, started a um, a government consulting company, um, as you as you mentioned, and we we ended up like um, running uh, running major programs for you know all all sorts of, of government agencies from like you know food stamps. We were like uh, implementing the food stamps program for USDA. We were doing work for you know the Army, DIA, uh, just all sorts of like government programs and. I did that for many, many years, kind of always just so focused on business growth and so focused on getting to the next level, right? Because like when I was in DC, the, the metrics were, okay, well, are you, you know, you're like a $1 million company in that industry was nothing. Like that's peanuts. So like, not that everybody made it there, but in the sense of like where I had my eyes set, like that was just like, that was just like, you're, 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 you're started, you're off the ground, right? And the goal was like, I kept looking at all these peer companies that were getting to this hundred million dollar mark in revenue. And like, that was where I had my, my, um, my site set on. And however, during that process, and like I said, because this career really wasn't quite aligned to who I was as a human being, um, because I'm, I'm like, I'm a complete creative spirit. Like I'm, I'm a seven on the Enneagram. I always need to be doing new things, exploring. And I'm also just very like, I'm very, uh, I need to be out in nature. I need to be like moving my body. I'm, I, uh, and so, you know, running this company was very, took a lot of like left brained, you know, do kind of doing the same thing every other day. You're solving different problems that pop up, but you're kind of doing the same thing. And that just didn't suit me. And I also felt like I was just implementing these programs, right? That the, the federal agencies would have a need would say, you know, we need uh, a company to, to, you know, serve to say process all of these HR applications for the patent and trademark office. And I would raise my hand and be like, okay, we can do that. And then I would set up the staff and the programming and the logistics and the systems in order to do that. Right. Mm -hmm. But the program requirements were already laid out. I wasn't creating anything. Like I wasn't looking at the world and saying, um, what do I think needs to be done? And then doing that instead, I was just responding to a requirement that had already been designed. And so I started to feel after many, many years of doing this, like I needed to exercise my muscle of like, look, cause I see so many inequalities right in the system and in the world. And I see so many things that I have a deep passion for that, um, that, that, that I, I have ideas for how it can be changed and where we should be spending taxpayer money and like what other things we should be focusing on and how. And I, through this company, didn't get a chance to do any of that. So, so, you know, in, in the, in the midst of building this company, I think I 
went through many personal stages of, of kind of like transformation where first I was like, okay, completely burnt out and just, you know, like, you know, I was so young too. I was in my twenties when I was building this company where everybody in the industry was, I felt like at least double my age and, you know, usually white male and I'm a, I'm a young female minority. And I was like <laughs> very out of place in this industry. So I was, you know, just working tr like triply hard to try to prove myself. And I was not taking care of my personal health or personal relationships or really having a balance in life. And so got to the point where I was completely burnt out and um, I was having all of these health issues. And I, you know, I, I actually, I, I used to sing when I was in college. I was, you know, I've always had a passion for singing. And when I was in college, I was in a vocal jazz group. And um, I got to the point where my, my vocal cores actually started to have all these issues and like, like nodules on them and all, all of these things because my, I just, my health was really not where it should have been. And that kind of like launched me after, after a year or two of sitting in that muck, I was like, okay, I need to figure out a way out of this. I need to have a more balanced approach to, to my own like personal growth and impact. And so that kind of launched me into a health and fitness journey. And I started a CrossFit gym, which you mentioned. And, um, and, and that was amazing, like that. So keeping that kind of with me as I went has been a huge benefit, I would say, in so many ways. Um, and then, you know, I got to the point where I was like, all right, so the company's fine. My health's back on track. And what do I really, do I really want to keep going for this? Just keep on climbing the same ladder, keep on with the same rat race of getting to the $100 million mark. Is, is that really what I want to do with my life? And I got the clear answer that it was no. And so um, about a year and a half ago, I sold the company and which was a process in and of itself. Let me just tell you, <laughs> it took a long time um, and then um, ended up, uh, you know, going to the, the Kennedy School to get a, a master's in public policy, because as I said, I really wanted to figure out how to make change on a larger scale, how to impact change at the level of cause, not just implement programs at the level of effect, if that makes sense. And so... I uh, got this degree because I really just wanted to be around people who were thinking about the same problems, you know, thinking about how to make the world a better place, thinking about the systemic inequalities, thinking about how do we really create change in the world. And so that was um, a wonderful experience. And um, that kind of led me to where I am today, where I'm combining my love for being a, being a singer songwriter and performer um, with doing, you know, um, another startup, um, uh, venture, which is, uh, all around, um, helping people who are just normal everyday citizens who have whatever jobs from, you know, you're an entrepreneur, you're a corporate leader, you're a, a, a doctor or lawyer, whatever your, your job is, um, to make a difference on a larger scale through, um, kind of a pre-designed, um, you know, uh, um, program for how to be a better, basically how to be an engaged civic citizen, how to be involved in civic life without needing to feel like you need to dedicate your existence to civic life. Um, so that, that's, that's where I am now with, with uh, just starting up this, this new venture called Poptipsalum. Oh my gosh. You know, just listening to you there, Sumi, I was beginning to feel a little exhausted. <laughs> 
<laughs> it was like, oh my gosh, you have, you have packed so much into your life. And there's so many things I, I want to ask you about. But the first thing I want to ask you is like, you just like government consulting company on one hand, complete creative spirit <laughs> that you you described yourself as on the other. Like that just seems like such a bad like how did that happen like <laughs> government consulting company no not just consulting company but government oh my gosh yeah. right where everything <laughs> is mounds of paperwork when yeah. Just <laughs> yeah and routine and red tape and bureaucracy yeah. and you know all that stuff that would stifle I would imagine the, a creative mm -hmm. spirit like yourself so I'm not surprised you got burnt out but I do want to know like like, I know I heard you say, like, you were working hard to prove yourself, but, like, gosh, <laughs> you know, you picked wow. an interesting industry. Like, how did that happen? You know, um, <laughs> I, I alluded to the fact that I, I was, you know, trying to, um, I think I was really trying to impress my dad, uh, mm. to be honest, you know, the, the uh, real story. And, um, I, he I actually grew up watching him start a government contracting company where he and his brother were, had started this manufacturing company and they were making communication, um, devices for, you know, government. So like the, their, uh, communication switches were like on Navy ships and they basically like they had this huge manufacturing plant where they're 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 making these products and so he kind of I grew up watching this industry of like selling to the government and serving a need there and um and he actually I think you know came to me with this idea of do you want to start a services company for the government and um and you know at the time I I, I didn't want to do it <laughs> But I felt like I was like, well, okay, I'll give it a try, you know, just kind of falling into this, well, dad thinks this is a good idea. So let's see. And mean, you know, meanwhile, I was, remember I was like, I think I was 19 when I started this. So I was very young and impressionable and just trying to, you know, be a good daughter because I felt like I was always falling short of his expectations. So it was in some way like trying to like, you know, prove myself again. Right. Now it makes sense. Now I can kind of see. <laughs> it makes okay. a little more sense. Yeah, yeah, it makes a little more sense. I'm like, okay, because, you know, that, that, yeah, I can see why you went into that. Right. Um, so thank you for sharing that because it just wasn't making sense to me. I was like, oh my that, God, like that. what on right. earth attracted you, right? Right. Like, why would and I do I mean, that? <laughs> yeah. And you did say like a hundred million dollar mark in revenue, like 1 million is peanuts. Now there aren't many industries where you can say that. So like mm -hmm. off the cuff. So I kind of got that as well. I was like, okay, so there's, there's that that's probably attractive as well, but mm -hmm. my goodness. So let me ask you, I mean, here you are, this complete creative spirit mm -hmm. in probably one of the most regulated, <laughs> like, yeah kind of industries that you've chosen to work with I mean what did you learn from that experience from kind mm. of almost because it feels to me like being a fish out of water in a way mm. I mean what what insights did you get there Sumi that you could share with us yeah so many Jane um but you know on a personal level the insights were 
it was actually in a, in an odd way rewarding because I realized, Hey, I can kind of do anything I put my mind to, you know, because it was so ill suited. And yet I made a decent go of it. I felt like, wow, okay. Personally, it gave me a sort of sense of confidence. And I think that's true about anyone. I, I honestly do, you know, like if, if we have the right mindset and are dedicated to something, we can make it work. Yeah. Um, and so I think that was one of the main lessons. And then on top of that, I, I really learned just tactically a ton about like, okay, how to be a leader, how to communicate better, how to manage a staff of, I mean, when I think about it, when I was 25, I like, I had a staff of like 75 employees that I was, that I was, you know, leading and, um, and, you know, it's just a lot to learn. I mean, I, I spent a lot of time like anxious and curled up in a ball in a sense of like, (laughs) what do I do? But um, I also, you know, there was no other choice because this is, was what I had created for myself. So I had to keep moving forward. And so I just really learned, you know, how to, how to, how to manage huge responsibilities, how to, you know, manage huge payroll, how to, you know, how to do the things that I never thought I'd be doing before the time I was 30. Um, and then, you know, one of the biggest lessons I think in retrospect too, is that, um, I learned how awful it feels not to be true to yourself. Um, and I, I learned that I don't want to, that, you know, it's not necessary that nobody really needs to try to stick themselves into a, into a role or into a position or some sort of like externally appreciated, um, image that doesn't feel aligned. Like I really learned how awful that feels. Um, so in a way I feel like I actually got out of it, like some beautiful, beautiful life. life lessons. Mm, yeah. It certainly feels that way as you describe it, you know, and I, and I think you're speaking to something that a lot, a lot of people go through, particularly in Western cultures and, you know, maybe even in, in others as well, but I can only speak from my own experience. And I, you know, I work with uh, like senior C-level executives Mm -hmm. and I can't tell you, I've now lost count of the amount of people that, you know, could be in their late fifties, maybe early sixties and have their first coaching session with me. And, and, and during that time, that, that first hour with me at some point, they kind of kind of drop down into what matters most. Yeah. And then some of them end up very emotional because yeah. they realize they've lived their entire career to impress somebody else. Yes. And it's not what they wanted to do at all. So how wonderful that you seem to have had this accelerated experience mm-hmm. in your younger years in a way that has given you a, a wealth of experience now, but also that you listened to the voice inside, you noticed that you weren't out, that you were out of alignment. Mm -hmm. And I think that in itself, not just noticing, I think we all notice, but you actually did something about it. And I'd love you to tell us a little bit about, you know, was there a moment where you suddenly realized, actually, I can't, I can't stay doing this. The cost is too high. Mm -hmm. I do need to move into a life that's more aligned with Mm -hmm. me. You know, when I, if I try to think about a moment, I sometimes share this moment about, um, you know, I was 
was you know work, working from sunup to sundown just all all the time and um and and remember this one day i i <laughs> Just driving home, sobbing. Just driving home, sobbing over my steering wheel, and of course it was raining. And I'm not, I'm not joking. It actually was raining this day, <laughs> and I'm sobbing over my steering wheel. And I get home and I order in. I had ordered on my drive like Thai uh, delivery food, and I plop down on my purple couch and open up this, you know, box of Thai food and <laughs> put the TV on, and I'm like just you know like eating to stuff down all my emotions and numbing out watching whatever dumb show kardashians or whatever that was on tv <laughs> and um and i just had this moment of like this is not fulfilling me is there like this can't be where my life goes for you know the next 10 years and um so it was just sort of it you know, I had a lot of moments like that, in fact, and it, it wasn't like I had this huge rock bottom or huge wake up call. Um, there were a lot of accumulated rock bottoms, I would say. Like, you know, another one was when I realized my vocal cords, like this passion I had for for singing, um, you know, that was really something that made me feel alive and happy. It was getting to the point where it was actually difficult for me to talk. So I was, you know, I had all these health issues and my vocal cords were inflamed and reacting and it was actually difficult to even speak, much less, you know, have the full range of my singing voice. And so I, um, so there was that, um, you know, and then there was just like this constant sense of when I <laughs> throughout my daily life. and you know and I, I think I, I am a very like reflective person I've always you know journaled and and you know started practicing meditation and I think those practices really helped me just to take time out of being so in it you know that I was able to kind of realize um, that hey this isn't this isn't the path for me. Um, but there are so many of my peers, and like you said, so many people that spend almost their whole careers kind of on a path or on the wrong ladder or just keep on, you know, blindly climbing the ladder. And I think, you know, I, in some ways feel very blessed. Like I mentioned that I was, I, I kind of felt like, um, I, I, I needed these practices of journaling and meditation from a young age in order to like feel okay about life because I never quite felt like I fit in or like I felt knew what I was, you know, where I belonged. And so I had, had um, adopted these practices and I think those actually came to my rescue um, to help me with this wake up call. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh, it sounds like it. And I love the way you say, you said that you had accumulated rock bottoms because <laughs> You know, I think that's also true. Like we get a sense of something and then it, you know, and we, we probably try and push it away because it's too hard to think about what it might mean if you really listen to it. And one of the things that we talk about at Sacred Changemakers is, you know, when you get a calling, like a, I suppose you might call it a spiritual calling or a sacred calling. And it's not where you're just figuring out in your head, like, what is it I want to do? Right. Mm -hmm. But it's more like there's just something that's calling to you, something you can't not do. Mm -hmm. I mean, 
And you said at one point in your, when I asked you your first question, you know, you said that you asked, is this what I want to do? And mm. you said, I got the clear answer, no. Mm. Can you tell us about that? Because that sounds to me like a calling. <laughs> That's interesting. Um, gosh, I think it was, uh, you know, like I said, I, I felt like a creative spirit and I felt like I was like this spirit trapped in this everyday existence that just wasn't aligned. And so when I would have these thoughts, whether I was journaling or on a run or meditating about it, um, it would just like, you know, when you, um, you feel it in your body and your mind doesn't quite know why your body is having this reaction to it. I had that kind of a, it was a dark, heavy, uh, uncomfortable, like I'm trudging through mud feeling in my body. And it, it wasn't just, you know, once in a while, it wasn't just cause I was anxious about a big contract or anxious about a big meeting or presentation. It was a continual, like this life felt heavy, you know, uncomfortable, dark, trudging through mud. Whereas if I would imagine like a life that, you know, for example, like a life as a singer songwriter at, with my, you know, flowers in my hair, shoes off, running through the grass in a flowery dress. <laughs> that was like, yes, like, you know, full body, yes. <laughs> so I think that was my answer, like really just like listening to my body, even though logically it didn't make any sense. Because logically, right. why would I give up this career, all these awards I'm winning, all this recognition, all this, you know, praise and all this financial rewards. And it was like, why would I ever give this up? But, you know, um, on a soul level, on a body level, it just was never, it never felt good. Yeah. Yeah. I really felt that as you were speaking to it. <laughs> it was like, oh gosh, yes, I totally get it. So let me ask you, you know, if, if you have a calling in this lifetime, right? What, what might it be? Mm. I spent so many years like thinking on this question and I think for so many years I ignored the answer. Um, and I, so I will say that, you know, I, I would listen to a lot of quote unquote gurus or experts talk about how to find your passion, how to find your calling. And they would always say this line, Jane, they would say, more than often, if you have something that's a calling for you, you know it and you're just ignoring it. You know it and you just <laughs> don't want to admit to yourself that right. this is it, right? Oh, yeah. I would hear that and I would think about what I thought was my calling, like that little thing in the back of my head would be like, oh, maybe it's this, like really kind of soft, like trying to get some airtime. <laughs> and, and even though I was listening to them say, usually you know but you're not admitting it to yourself I would think well it can't be that it can't be that <laughs> right <laughs> so so I really do think now that um as so I'll share what that was um you know I to me it's my my calling first of all I will say I don't think it's just one thing and I think a lot of people have mm -hmm. more than one calling and I think you can yeah. combine your calling with a lot of different things, right? To make an impact and to be the person that we, we want to be in the world. Um, for me, part of that calling and part of what needed to be expressed was my identity as a singer-songwriter, was my identity as a performer, was my passion for, you know, music to really heal and, and, and help move 
society forward and, and to help heal hearts and to, you know, basically be a connector in the world and to help solve, you know, loneliness and um, just all these things like music and me applying myself to that, um, the, um, that field was something that I was such a clear calling ever since I was, you know, in five years old. Um, but I never, I never, I never thought it could be, right? I was always like, no, that, that's silly, right? That, that can't be it. Right. Yeah. right. And I love that you're speaking to that, you know, not just like what's, what really fills you up, right? But it's almost like the singer songwriting performance, you've actually looked at it in a much bigger context. Mm. You've actually said, okay, this is what fills me up. And maybe mm. I can use this to like bridge the gap between like what the world needs. Right yes. Now. Oh, that's such so beautifully said. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. Right. So tell us then, because our title for today is Using Your Influence for Meaningful Social Change. Mm-hmm. Right. So we've got this sense of you now, like you, you've built this multi-million dollar government contracting business, mm-hmm. you know, kind of because of dad. And then you're this complete creative spirit. You went through this, this kind of I, this burnout and this realization that you needed to get your life in more alignment. Right. Mm-hmm. And now here you are with getting really true to yourself and authentic about what you want, what fills you up in this life. Mm. So how are you going to use your influence for meaningful social change? Tell us about that. Yes. Um, (laughs) First of all, I love this topic. (laughs) And um, I feel like, you know, everyone, all of us, first of all, have an ability to increase our influence through social media platforms right now, whether or not you have a multi-million dollar company or you're just starting out, right? Like, um, we all have an ability to reach so many people now. And even so, so I think with that comes a responsibility to actually, um, to actually speak out about the things that are important. And so, you know, I've been thinking a lot about that. And I think that there's so much going on in our world right now that we all need to be speaking up about. Um, And otherwise, if we remain silent, like, you know, we're, we're part of the problem. And so I have been, so I, you know, I moved to Nashville, Tennessee last year. I've been like heavily involved in the music community here. And, um, with that, I, you know, have started this, this group, uh, musicians for social justice, and we are, you know, writing and performing music that speaks to social issues that we care about. Um, I also, as you mentioned, I'm, I'm starting this this organization called uh, Poptivism, or as I mentioned too, I guess. Um, and Poptivism really stands for uh, taking a stand for the end, where it says, "Hey, listen, no matter what your calling is, or what you're currently pursuing um, in your you know professional pursuits right now, or, or personal pursuits, we all have the opportunity to to do that." and participate on a larger social scale. And so I actually, with Poptivism, um, 
make it really easy through our through our pop squad, the which is basically like our our text gang, where you get you know you get texts from from the team. Um, a few times a week on exactly like what your mission is that day in order to just spend five minutes in making a difference in the world. And, you know, it could come in multiple different forms. Like sometimes the missions are, um, you know, regarding, um, you know, calling your, your elected representative and, and here's like a two line script that, you know, that to, to, to say to them. Sometimes the missions are, hey, here's a really fabulous organization, you know, check them out, see if you want to um, donate a little bit of, of money. You know, right now, I think the people who um, resonate with, with poptivism and the, and the social change mission that, that we're talking about here are, are the people who believe, you know, our, our democracy is really at threat right now and we all need to stand up, band together, and actually participate in order to save our, our, our country um, from authoritarianism and from some of the atrocities that are, that are happening right now. And so I think the problem stems, part of the problem stems from when we're so inwardly focused, right? Like when we're so personally focused about what do I want for my life and, you know, how do I want to achieve my goals? And, um, you know, whereas we can, my philosophy is that, look, we're not ever going to be, you know, such generous citizens that we don't care about ourselves. We all, we all care about ourselves and our personal passions and our personal pursuits and growing in our businesses and careers and all of that. Right. And that's fine. And we got to embrace that. But the, 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 the key is, and like taking a stand for that and we can do all of that while looking outward and while just taking small actions to participate in society as a large and to enable larger social change. And so I am just so passionate about that. You know, a lot of influencers even who have large, say, social followings don't know how to use their voice to speak out about issues that matter, don't know how to speak out about controversial issues because we're so afraid of the pushback. We're so afraid of the negative feedback. And <clears throat> so part of the service that I want to offer into the world through poptivism is, all right, like let's, we're doing this together. So we have cover, we have cover in numbers. We have, we're all doing this together and look, we all care about our personal pursuits. I care about my musical pursuits. I care about growing my own entrepreneurial, you know, vision for my life. And I know you do too. And we're all going to kind of step up and, and make this, um, make this do our part in, in five minutes a day, a few times a week, you know, at, at the minimum. Um, but even if it's just that we can make a major difference if we all do it together. And so that's kind of how I'm helping, um, you know, influencers, entrepreneurs change makers, uh, make a, make, make social change on a larger level. Mm, and that's beautiful. I mean, the way you describe that, you're really speaking my language. <laughs> it was like when you were saying the yes and, you know, I remember looking out at the world and knowing that I wanted to do something, but also like looking at the world and thinking, well, gosh, you know, like there's people, there's an option over here where you can go to an ashram in India and, you know, or I could become an activist and, you know, do that. Or over here, then there's business and my financial security for myself and my family. And it's like the, the two worlds felt so far apart. Oh, yeah. So I love how you speak to that and because why shouldn't we start to create a new path where we um, can look after ourselves and that is important yeah. and we can do it in a way that perhaps is you know more regenerative we can build that 
or bridge that gap to what I feel the world really needs right now. And there's a lot of things the world really needs right now. And it is going to take all of us. Yes, I completely agree. And that's such a beautiful point that you make about, right, usually people have it in their mind that either go to an ashram, be a spiritual enlightened soul, or yeah, be an activist on the street, or, you know, build a kind of personally fulfilling business empire, et cetera. And it's like, yeah. And, you know, and it doesn't have to be just through say, you know, my venture poptivism. Of course I would, I would love it if people wanted to, to join the, the pop squad as we call it. <laughs> but yeah. if that's not aligned for you, if you have another cause that you're super passionate about or like just figuring out a way to include those things in your life, even if in a small way, and you know, it doesn't have to take over your life and we can look at it through that lens of like, well, what can I do? You know, um, you know, one day, uh, one day a week or, you know, uh, um, five minutes, few times a week or something like that, that would really help to incorporate the fact that two, two things it does. One, it really in, it ups our sense of personal fulfillment, right? Because we're, we're giving forward per se. We're not living in an isolated bubble, but we're actually contributing to society at a larger level. And that allows us personally to be so much more fulfilled, right? We all know this, but it's like taking that action really solidifies that feedback loop. And you're like, ah, yeah, I do. I do feel better. Life's life feels awesome right now. And then, (laughs) and then on top of that, you, you are really making a difference, right? So if we all just do those small things, it really, really adds up. Yeah. It totally does. Now I'm, I'm going to play devil's advocate for a minute because since I've been in this space, right, this, this new and space that I also find myself in right now. Yeah. Um, it's a very different world to just being in the business world. Right. Mm. right? And, and, and one of the things that uh, I get asked a number of times, people ask me this question and you see, you've been to Harvard and done a master's in public policy, right? Mm-hmm. Cause you wanted to really find out about impacting change on a larger level. So I think you're probably better equipped to answer this question. than Uh-oh, me. I'm, ner- I'm nervous right? now. <laughs> Right. And it's like uh, people say to me, I'll come off stage and people will say, Jane, do you think it's really possible that we can change the world? Mm. <laughs> you want me to answer that? I do. I do. Yeah. So sue, oh. me. so sue me. Is it really possible that we can change the world? What's your oh my sense? gosh. My huge, just like <laughs> overwhelming sense. I have goosebumps all up and down my body. It's like, yes, yes, and yes. <laughs> Oh, like, you know, um, who, who, who said this, Jane, you might remember that you never doubt that a small group of Margaret Mead Mead, (laughs) can actually change the world. That's the the only thing that ever has, right? Like you look back to all of the, the social movements, the, 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 you know, from, you know, women's suffrage to the abolitionists to, um, civil rights, you know, and, and then in, in any, in any, um, country, really, if you look back to the social movements that, that changed things, it, it always started from a small group of passionate people. And so I think that question is just an overwhelming yes, an overwhelming yes. Oh, I love that. And I love the energy you brought to that. <laughs> it was like, yes, like, of course, there's no doubt. No doubt in your mind, uh, which is just great. Because I think there are some of us that need to hear that right now. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, yes. Yeah. You know, I really do. So, 
you know, tell what? us a little bit about your vision for a better world, because like, mm. what is this in service of? In oh my gosh, that is a really big question. <laughs> I know it is. <laughs> um, so, you know, when I, I look at examples that I think are really inspiring, and right now, I think um, New Zealand is just... Mm an example with an amazing, you know, leadership in, in Jacinda Arden. And um, she has actually come out and said she's deprioritizing the, the complete and utter like um, worshiping of economic growth as the only factor that matters for, for progress. And I just think that's so well done and very much time in time. I mean, you know, it, I think it served a purpose for a while as we were, you know, going through the industrial revolution and developing um, as, as, a, as a country, say, here in the U.S. Um, you know, I think that it served a purpose to have that as the one and, and metric that we're, we're focusing on. And now it just does not serve a purpose anymore because the devastation to the, the planet that has been ignored, you know, the devastation to personal well-being, personal welfare that, that has been ignored, the complete gap in income inequality that does not get measured by this, this number of, you know, um, GDP, like th this does not, that does not account for the, the, the gap in income inequality. It also does not account for, you know, even if, say, we're living longer, if people are sicker and unhappier and you know if they're miserable and sick what's the point of living long you know mm -hmm. and so i think that really reprioritizing um what it means to actually live together well because what is what is social change right so mm -hmm. society is about how we decide to live together well, I think. And, um, and so looking at that with a new lens, and I think New Zealand right now is just rocking it out of the park. I'm so inspired by, you know, Jacinda's leadership and, and how we could move forward in new ways. There's so many opportunities from, you know, prioritizing green energy, um, you know, changing the, 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 what we focus on, what we invest in, you know, learning, you know, really investing in, in people learning the skills of tomorrow, right? Instead of just your normal four-year colleges. Um, there's just so many opportunities uh, for us to reinvest in society to, to, to shape a, a future that I think we really is possible if we, if we make those decisions. Mm, yeah. And, and, you know, and I just love what you're speaking to here because, you know, in many ways you're speaking to a whole range of opportunities that kind of, you know, are in front of us right now, but mm -hmm. they're not they're not often talked about in mainstream media and you know and for the ordinary person in the street you know they they might not have any sense i mean i work with leaders leaders don't have any sense of how to start to shape the future or the, certainly the people that i'm around um, and some of them are in global organizations and there's a wanting there's like an i feel there's an opening that's come through the pandemic and the quarantine that you know, in a way gives us, and it feels to me like an opening, where we can start to have conversations that perhaps were not on the agenda before. Yeah. And, and, and I think now there's beginning to be an appetite for, okay, well now everything's like thrown up in the, in the air and we are completely uncertain about what's going to happen next. Like now, what do we do? <laughs> 
Oh, yes. And I think it's so beautiful that you pointed that out. And I would love, you know, for everyone to, um, like, I'm trying to tell myself, all right, really use this opportunity. I think it would be such a waste if we didn't really use this opportunity to rethink, you know, rethink how the future's going to look. Um, for me, I will say that one of the biggest levers for change <laughs> is going to come in the form of getting money out of politics because where our investments go right now is directly tied to, you know, the large, organ the large corporations mostly who have um, vested interests and in, who have donated these politicians and those industries are surviving when they may not be really needing to be survive on that level. And so if we could get money out of politics, we could make a huge difference in the world. Mm. You know, and that sounds like a huge undertaking, <laughs> I have to say. <laughs> yes. you know, as you said that, I could feel myself going, hmm, okay. Well, yeah, how? yeah, yeah. How do we do that? Because they're all the people that are in power, really. And in, in the old sense of power, anyway, they're the people that are making the decisions, aren't they? So I can feel myself, you know, you know, and, and in a way, there's a part of me that just goes, oh, like, really? Like, how are we going to mm -hmm. do that? Mm -hmm. well, <laughs> optimism has a plan. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I'm totally going to be in poptivism. Yeah, please. Right, I'm coming. Because the other thing I have to tell you, the other thing I love about this space is there's no competition. It's like it's like mm. nodes in a network. You know, mm. and I'd always seen that right in in kind of like theoretical uh, kind of terms, but I'd I've never experienced that. Mm. Wait, say that again. What do you mean by that? So nodes in a network. What I mean is like it's almost like um, it's about true collaboration in mm -hmm. this space. It's about uh, like mm -hmm. I don't feel at all threatened by you doing your thing. It's like how can I help you do your thing, and you know, and how can that be reciprocated? Because we're all in this, like we're all doing this. We're all working towards the same thing. It's the same energy. Let's all like connect and support and help. And and I found that more in this space than I had than I've ever seen in any other. And and I've had a like well, I've been mainly in consultancy. I set up my first consultancy in '96. So yeah, and and I love that because I love that you've got a plan because that's you know in a way that's what we need. And you know, there's, for me, the other sense is, and, and I know that you get this, so it's, this is not a criticism at all, but mm -hmm. it's that we need to be listening deeply to what's emerging in the present and be really responsive to where, in, a, in my language, that'd be like where the energy takes us, where the world needs us mm -hmm. and be willing to be agile and kind of flow with yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think what you said is so beautiful because I think, you know, um, that makes me think of this, uh, you know, Marianne Williamson, who I'm sure everyone's familiar with, um, has said something like, you know, the people who love, the people who love need to love with the same amount of passion as the people who hate. The problem oh, is yes. that those of us who love, right, those of us who share this vision for, for a beautiful, loving world, um, don't, don't like act on that love with the same amount of passion as the people who hate. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, you know, that's why I think, yes, I, I agree. And I, I completely hear you with the nodes in the network thing. It's like, it's like, yeah. we're all in this, we're all in this together. And we all need to kind of band together, do our part to, to love with the same yeah. intensity. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. 
Oh my gosh. So tell me what you're most excited about in your, your life and your career right now. Oh my gosh. Um, you know, it's hard actually, I, I will admit and um, maybe normalize that it, it has been hard to feel excited during quarantine. Yeah. Um, and, uh, but I am, I am, I do feel like, you know, for the first time in my life, I am on my aligned path um, where I'm not trying to figure it out anymore, but I'm actually kind of on the path finally. <laughs> and so, um, so I feel really, really, you know, excited about my music. I, you know, have a, um, a girlfriend and I are, are doing uh, this girl band called Bimba. <laughs> really excited about that. Um, and, and honestly, really excited just to use my voice in, 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 in bigger ways and, and, and hope, and hopefully grow, you know, the, the, um, the, uh, the vision of poptivism to, to really help people um, make, make, make a difference on a larger scale. Yeah. I love that. And what's so refreshing about you, Sumi, is the way that, you know, you talk about this, this deep social change and, and how the world can be a better place and the inequalities and, and using your influence in service of that. And then you talk about singing in a band called Bimba. <laughs> and it's like, it's like, oh my gosh, you're just like the, the working, you're like the walking personification of the and, oh, of what you are. You're, you're completely embodying like all parts of you, which I just think is so refreshing. Totally. I have a huge smile on my face because I really appreciate that. <laughs> it's, it's taken me a while to, to understand that we can be both, yeah. you know? And, um, yeah. and also I really want to give permission to everybody else to be both because I, yes. I feel we all have this in us and we are conditioned to think we need to be one identity yeah. or one way in society, you know, and it's like, no, like we're everything. All of us are everything, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And changing the world can be fun. You see? Yes. It doesn't have to be like sad oh, or really yes. deep or really hard work. You know, yes. you don't have to convince people to give you money or things like that. Yes. It really can be fun. And that's what I feel you're bringing. Oh my God, I love that you said that. And in fact, when we make it fun, I think that's when things like things come easier, right? Because our our energy attracts. And so if we're, you know, de depressed or, 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 you know, worried or in fear all the time about the problems that are going on, like it's going to be an uphill battle for us to actually make change. But if we can be light and happy and fun and pursuing our light passions as well and bring that joyful energy into these serious issues, that's when things open up I, I really do believe that yeah yeah me too so Sumi I'm just watching the time so let me ask you a final question great if there's something you hoped we get to today something you would want to share with our listeners what might it be mm, that's a great question I think we kind of got there but it's it's that I really think each like every person listening, we have so much more power than we realize. And, um, you know, we have the power to make a difference on a personal level. I mean, if you're stuck in a situation right now and you just think, oh my gosh, how am I going to get out of this? Like I've been there. Right? I think so many of us have been there and it's possible. We just need to be committed. We need to just be committed and realize that everything that, you know, we desire is, 
is actually possible. It may not show up exactly how we want it to, right? Nothing's always going to go our way, of course. <laughs> but, um, but I think that just, you know, having faith that, you know, whatever, whatever direction we want to go in, all of that's possible and that we can bring lightness and joy into whatever serious pursuits that we're doing and really just understanding that we all have everything in us. And if you feel, you know, like silenced in one area of your of your life or personality, um, it's time to kind of just open that up and especially now, I mean, I feel so grateful that we're living in a time where, um, authenticity and just is really valued. And, you know, seeing the real you on social media, for example, is really valued. And that's how we get to connect with people right now. I, none of us have to pretend we're perfect. None of us have to be perfect, right? Like we're all works in progress. I mean, you know, Jane, when you said, Oh, you went to Harvard, so you might understand these issues. I was like, shoot, <laughs> I don't know if I remember anything. <laughs> And, and, you know, giving myself permission to, to, um, to speak on these issues, knowing that, hey, I still have a ton to learn. And, you know, I haven't read all the books on this subject, but I want, but I'm committed to learning. I'm committed to the process and I'm committed to sharing in the process. I think that's what all of us have the power to do. You know, we have the power to share about what, what um, resonates with our heart. We have the power to take a stand for the and. We have the power to make a change in our personal life and on a social scale. Um, we have we have that power. We have the ability to activate our true power, and it's mm. really about just giving ourselves that permission. Oh, beautiful. Thank you so much, Sumi. Mm. Oh my gosh, this was an epic conversation. It was so fun. <laughs> I feel like you pulled a lot of cool stuff out of me too. <laughs> And I, I just know that our listeners are just going to love listening to you. I mean, your heart, your energy, your passion, and just your wisdom as well. I mean, it was just incredible. So thank you so much. Thank you, Jane. It was a pleasure. <laughs> okay, guys, that's all we have time for today. Thank you so much for listening in. Now, before we go, let me ask you, are you passionate about change? Are you looking for more meaning and purpose in your life? If so, we want to invite you to visit us at sacredchangemakers.com where you can sign up for our five-day program, Awakening the Changemaker Within. This is free to all our podcast listeners and it enables you to come home to yourself, that authentic self at your very core. We believe that within each of us lies the possibility to unleash the full realization of human potential. Change can be a regenerative force for good. All change begins within as a personal transformation, which can then be expressed within our professional lives and ultimately can be bridged into regenerative social impact in our world. Again, you can find our free program at sacredchangemakers.com. And our growing network of Sacred Changemakers are actually our sponsors who help us to keep doing our work in the world. So if our episode resonated with you today, we hope you'll consider joining us. And for now, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for the work you do to make our world a better place. Until next time, lots of love.